it really starts with understanding what your client's problem is and then taking them through your unique procedures to give them a better life because everybody buys a better life. The only time they're going to actually drop money, give you a credit card, write you a check, whatever the case is, trade your goods and services, it doesn't matter. The only way you're going to get paid is if you can show them the route from the problem that they have to the solution. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. In this episode, you'll get to meet Pete Moore, a business coach, entrepreneur, and the host of Simplifying Entrepreneurship podcast. With over 27 years as a business owner, he's refined many of his tips, tools, and techniques in the trenches within his own businesses. Pete owns and operates his Simplifying Entrepreneurship coaching business and owns a couple of footwear stores called Shootopia in Ontario. In this episode, we learn all about the difference between owning a business running a franchise, and being owned by your business. He's putting the tools and frameworks he speaks about in this episode to work within his own businesses. It's not just theory. Pete started coaching other businesses because of his belief that you own your business, it shouldn't own you. And that resonates so much with me. I hope you enjoy this insightful conversation with Pete Moore. You have a vast and diverse background and a ton of knowledge in different areas of business. Thanks so much for having me, Miggy. And I have had a vast entrepreneurial experience in my background. I mean, it's pretty much all I've ever done. I've always ran my own business. I worked for somebody else for about six months, who happened to be my dad's best friend, also named Peter. And uh, love Peter, great guy, great business. I really love his business too. But at the same time, understood that working for somebody else just wasn't for me. So, you know, I had little businesses kind of going through university and high school and stuff like that and grass cutting and landscaping and different things, you know, along the way. And then after university coming out, I sort of worked for him for about six months and then dove right in. I bought a franchise because at the time I, I bought an inexpensive franchise because I was a young guy and this is what I could afford and went down for training and came back and got that running and because it was in an expensive franchise, they didn't really give a whole lot of support and a whole lot of help. So it was like up to me to just go and do it. So, you know, I, I went and did it and we had that business, uh, and, and sold it after 15 years, it's still running today. And it's been, uh, so it's 27 years old now and, uh, it's still a great business. I don't own it anymore, but at the same time, when I had that bathroom renovation company, I also had a cleaning franchise and we bought a cleaning franchise that was doing poorly had uh, 30 customers and we 10 times that up to about 300 customers and we sold it. And I became a business broker, helping people buy and sell businesses, which is where I found one of the businesses that I currently own 
uh, we own uh, some shoe stores here in Canada called Shootopia, and we've had those since 2010, so 12 years now, just uh, recently celebrated our 12th anniversary and continue to run those. And that's where I get to test a lot of the stuff I coach to and model and all the different things that I really enjoy with simplifying entrepreneurship, which is where I'm spending most of my time today, quite honestly. I've got my shoe stores uh, running on rails and doing well and kind of set up all the systems and processes and people and all that sort of stuff so that I can uh, do what I truly love, which is having these conversations with people like you, Mickey, uh, around business and entrepreneurship and all of the things that I that I just love chatting with with my coaching clients. So it's a, it's a fun place to be in my life right now. And it wouldn't have happened had I not been an entrepreneur along the way. You know, you mentioned something that really piqued my interest, which is how you've been able to structure your business so that it functions without you. And there are many of us who see franchises and assume they're completely set up for you. And we want to t adopt some of the systems that they use in franchises in our own business, but we're not really sure how it all works or what to look for. Could you give us a little bit more information on franchises and what they look like and potentially what we as business owners can adopt to help structure our businesses better? Yeah. Well, some franchises <laughs> sort of have that, but not, not as many as you think. It's interesting out there where let's call them entry-level franchises. The ones that if we put a dollar on them, less than 200,000 bucks uh, to buy, those ones typically are a lot less sort of structured and have a little bit more freedom with a certain amount of help and some of that kind of stuff. And then you get into McDonald's and things like that, where it's just like, it's like, this is the way, this is the way. And, and, and that is the way. And you have, you, you know, for those kind of ones, it's more like a, you're the head manager as opposed to, cause you can't, you can't go out of the mold really with all of those. It's up to you to streamline the success of that already proven system. And with some of these other franchises, they're just pieces and, and bits given to you and it's still kind of your own business and sort. So there's lots of different things around franchising that are good and bad. And, you know, it really depends on the entrepreneur on whether it's a right fit for them and whether the actual franchise itself is a right fit for them, because just because one franchise isn't maybe it doesn't mean they all are right. So lots of interesting things around franchising there, but one of the biggest things, and I, I have this five P model that um, I do a lot of um, I'm writing a book on and all this sort of stuff. And I'll give you the, the five P's fairly quickly here. Uh, we can dig into them along the conversation, but the one is having the right purpose for your business and then aligning your product, your process and your people to it so that you can enjoy the right amount of profit. And the thing that really, uh, franchising brings is that middle P, the process, because, you know, that's what gets a lot of people stuck and it's overwhelming. And it's, it, it can, you know, I have another phrase that I like to use and it's you own your business and it shouldn't own you. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, if you feel like your business is owning you all the time, it's probably because you don't have some of those things in alignment. And the nice thing about some franchises is that they help you. You have to pay for it, mind you. You have to pay for that process and the right, sometimes the right systems and, and sometimes even the right people because so depending on the franchise you buy there, they may be a marketing wing or there may be a sales wing or there may, you know, any of those different wings that, that you're paying for through your royalties and fees, but it's process. And that is 
one of the things that slows growth for a lot of startup businesses. And I've always, in any of the businesses that I've started up, I've even if they've been my own business, I've always been of the of the mindset that I wanted to look like a franchise at the very beginning. So, you know, what are my colors? What's my fonts? What's all of those different, like the marketing side of things, the appearance of it. And I've had this many, many times with different businesses that I've owned. It's like, well, how many locations do you have? And I'm like, one or two or three. And it's like, wow, I, I thought you guys were like at this huge chain, right? Or if even... For, I know you have some um, contractors and stuff like that. Well, when we had our bathroom renovation company, we had we only had four trucks out on the road, but they were all wrapped and deckled and and really looked sharp and professional. People saw them all over town as they drove around, and they were like, "Like I see your trucks all the time." Even when I had one truck at one time, I see your trucks all the time, and it's like, "Well, I only have." I didn't tell them I only had one at that particular time, uh, but. That's the idea, this idea of having these systems and all of these things so that you're viewed in a way that people think of you being a professional right off the bat. So whether you use your own resources to do that or whether you're buying those resources from a franchise, that sort of idea of coming in, looking the part is always a big piece of that startup. And I know a lot of your listeners are sort of in that startup phase there's a mindset that comes up for me and for many business owners that I've worked with. They, they have their purpose. They come in fiery and full of passion and they know what they want, but they feel confined by the process. They see a franchise and think, no, I want to be creative and free flowing and be able to make my own decisions and pivot and, and do things the way that I want as I want. And those processes or that franchise model feels constricting. Is. But, but I think it can be, but it can also be freeing as well. Uh, because it's going to afford you time and space, right? Well, it, it affords you time and space, but it depends on where you want your creativity to be. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, the the struggle with the those people uh, in particular. It's where I struggled in particular, being a franchise owner. And we ended up defranchising one of our businesses. Um, and that was, you know, it, and that's the one that's still going today. What went into that decision? Well, um, long story short, uh, I had owned the business for five years and I actually went through three franchisors. Wow. The actual franchise itself was started by one individual, bought by another one, and then bought by a third company within five years. <laughs> and they all had their own spin. They all had their own deals. They all kind of wanted all this change happening. So I you know, dug into my franchise agreement and I bought out my deal and still ran the same business, but I, I got rid of all of their marketing and all of the stuff that was part of my franchise deal. And I, and I started up, you know, I just rebranded essentially with my own stuff and, you know, tore those labels off the vans and did all that stuff. But that was all, I did it all upright. You know, we, we did it properly and defranchised it properly. And we had to pay out a fee and all this other stuff, but it was just because I was not in a position where I was on board with the concepts and ideas of the third owner. So I left and whether you're closing your own store, whether you're closing your own business, um, sometimes you have to make decisions in business that are often very tough. That was a very tough decision, but it was the right decision at the time. And obviously still worked because that particular business had about 350 franchisees, which it now has 20. 
So uh, after its many iterations, it's been bought and sold a couple of times since then. So that's how many people actually bought the franchise within those first five years, you know, 350 or so. I was number 20 and the business that I started is still running. So, and that's because we did what we had to do to make it go, even though the franchise wasn't supporting us and all this other stuff. And it's like, this is still a good business. We can make this go. We can set up our own process. We can do, you know, hire our own people. So you have our own marketing, make this thing hum and work. And we did. And the new owner who's taken it over has in, in the last 12 years has grown it even more. So, you know, things can happen and franchising isn't the only way. It's a good way for a lot of different things. I love it. I love uh, franchises um, and I've owned franchises. I currently don't. I elect to be an independent um, business owner and that's just where I'm at and, and what, I, what I currently prefer. And it's my style of leadership too. And that's something that you have to understand as a business owner. You know, do you, you know, not everybody wants to or is sort of a creative type a person and some I am not a great manager. I differentiate between great managers and great leaders. I, I sit more on the leadership side than I do on the manager side. And I'm thankful to have wonderful managers working with me that actually run the day to day and that do that kind of stuff because it's not my wheelhouse. It's not something I've ever really been good at. I've been good at coming up with the ideas and leading the charge and you know communicating and all of these other things, which I I have this other framework called love it or leave it. I work in my love it zone and I know what my love it zone is. And I leave the stuff that I'm not good at to other people within my organization because they actually love that stuff and they don't love the stuff that I do. So that's this idea of really building a powerful team and having the right people, which is one of those P's in place um, for your team so that you can, you know, get out of the frustrations that you don't like in your business and start enjoying some of the freedoms. Because when I'm working in the businesses, we're having these conversations and we're the stuff that I actually do within the shoe stores, it doesn't feel like work to me. It actually gives me energy. It doesn't take it away. So from that perspective, that's when you know if you're working in your love it zone. It's like when you finish the day and you're feeling like, wow, I could go for another 12. Or if you finish your four hours and you're going like in the morning and you're kind of like, oh my God, I'm already tired. Well, that's the stuff you want to start maybe setting up the processes and assigning accountability to somebody else so that you can work more in your love it zone. You mentioned leadership versus management and being able to yeah. self-identify where you stand and that can influence the type of business structure that you decide to move sure. forward with. How can somebody start to recognize which side they fall in, whether it's management or leadership? Well, I think, you know, um, depending on your business and depending on what you're doing, business owners have to have a combination of both uh, for sure especially when you're starting up. But then there comes a time where you start to bring on some process, bring on some people and have that. And now as you're building out your accountability chart, you're kind of picking and choosing what areas you want to take part in and what you want to you know, give to someone else and assign to someone else so that you can be free of those. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, okay, well, the easiest way, I already kind of mentioned it is, if you feel drained after whatever task you are doing, if, if you love doing book work, you like at the end of uh, tallying up all your books and, and reconciling your, um, your visa statement and all that kind of stuff, um, that's like, wow, woohoo, I just did it. Woohoo. You know, those 
you have those woohoo moments. If that, then keep doing book work. But if if you're procrastinating the book work and it's like a month has gone by and you're like, ah, I, I, uh, man, I still haven't done it. And and then another month's go by and you're kind of like, mm, uh, and then the year end comes and it's like, you know, I really should have actually been more sort of on top of this. Well, it means that you don't love doing that stuff. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're not good at it. You could be really good at it, but just don't like doing it. And I'm I'm actually quite capable of doing all of my books. I've got different business degrees and was this close to being in accounting, but it's not for me. I don't love it. So I'm good at it, but I don't love it. So I would procrastinate that time and time again, because even though I can do it and I'm actually do a good job of it, I don't like doing it. So that drains me. Even the thought of it drains me. So what's draining you in your business? And that's the stuff. And, and you can start when you start thinking about that, that's the stuff. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to manage that piece of my business. So what you need then is your processes aligned and perfect so that you can hand off the accountability to someone else. And then you're really just looking at it from the ownership level, which is give me the dashboards. You know, I want to see the green lights, the yellow lights and the red lights on this particular thing. And I really don't need the detail. There's a lesson that you just so eloquently taught us all that we need to be reminded, which is just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you should be doing it. When we think about those five P's that you mentioned, I'd love to take some time to work through each of them so the audience can begin to use them to grow and scale their business. Yeah, sure. Well, everything starts with purpose. And, you know, I've got this other, I've got lots of little sayings and stuff like that. And one of my sayings is clarity creates confidence and confidence ignites momentum. The clarity of purpose is that first P. And over the last couple of years, if you've been in business for a few years, a lot of things have changed. I mean, a lot of things, I mean, things have always changed, but a lot of things have changed over the last couple of years. And if you've, if you're just doing business the way you were doing business two years ago, you may have to revisit your purpose. And here's how I build a purpose or here's, you know, when we kind of go through this little model of, of what, what is a purpose, it really starts with understanding what your client's problem is. Okay. And then taking them through your unique procedures to give them a better life because everybody buys a better life. The only time they're going to actually drop money, give you a credit card, write you a check, whatever the case is, trade your goods and services, it doesn't matter. The only way you're going to get paid is if you can show them the route from the problem that they have to the solution. So that is the purpose that you're going to go through this, this whole sort of idea of saying, okay, I understand the problem. Well. Do you understand the problem? Is it the same problem that you set up two years ago? Has it maybe changed? I'm not saying, I'm not saying 80% of it's changed. In some businesses, 80% of it has, but most it hasn't. But maybe 10% of it has, you know, changed a little bit. The delivery of that. So when you think of that center part, which is your unique way of taking them from the problem to the solution, how are you delivering that? Is do they want it faster now? Do they want it cheaper? Do they want a different experience in the delivery of that? You know, you have to go back and reassess this purpose so that they can actually see the future. And the future needs to be better than where they are now, or they're not going to drop their cash with you. 
So this is the idea of building the purpose. And most people say, yeah, yeah, I know what my purpose is, blah, blah, blah. We've always done it that way. Well, I'm just suggesting that maybe (laughs) you have to go back and revisit a little bit there because if there's any alignment outage there at all, you're losing opportunity. So then we kind of go back and we look at the next P, which is your product or service. You know, uh, service starts with an S though. So I I use Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but as a service business, I mean, I ran service businesses for years and totally understand all of that. Um, And from whether you're selling service or whether like now we sell shoes, you know, product based, that's it's the same sort of thing. Is your product or service aligned to that? Is it aligned to it? And if it isn't, you need to do some homework there. You need to dig down into that product or service base and make sure that it's matching the purpose, right? So when we look at that sort of stuff, here is a couple of things that I find a lot of people don't do. And, and I've already kind of rehashed it a little bit earlier, which is we've always done it that way. Well, we've always had this as part of our product or service mix. Why would we get rid of that? Well, have you actually dug down and looked into the data? Is it still selling like it used to? Does it still actually give the end result the way that it used to or the way that people want it to just because you've done it that way forever have you have as it is it a less you know when you look at your whole product mix is it still as big a component as it used to be does it still make you as much money as it used to maybe you've had to bring it down most businesses have their like signature offer, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. main primary thing. I worked for a cosmetics company for a long time and they had this signature sure. lotion, right? Yeah. And most of their legacy clients were obsessed with this one product, but time passes and in cosmetics, especially the technology changes, right? Um, and we need to be able to adapt to the technology to make sure that we're still delivering the best possible service. But this company sure. let the fear of losing those legacy people hold them back from ever changing this lotion. And they ended up getting beat out in the market. And it took them forever. And when they finally made the change, it was almost too late, right? They missed that opportunity. And I think that's a lesson that most of us can learn is you need to be ahead of the game a little bit. You do, you do. So, you know, when you look at products, um, I've got a a framework around it and it's, it's really, you probably need to lose at least 10 to 15% of your products or services that you currently offer because they're either no longer delivering your promise. They're either, you know, not making you any money or they're just unaligned with everything else that you're doing now. And just because you've always had them doesn't mean it's a good excuse to keep them. And so you have that sort of 75, 80% that's really your core product. Well, you need to make that, like we talked about earlier, cheaper, faster, better experience. You know, you need to hone that. And as the leader, when we talk about leadership and manager sort of positions, the leader, you always need to be looking for those new things that are coming in to deliver your promise even better than ever before right? That's a leadership job. You need to be doing that and you need to carve time out to be looking for those opportunities that are going to deliver your promise better than anyone else. So we've done purpose. We understand that without a defined purpose, everything downstream is going to be affected negatively. And then you align your products to your purpose to make sure that it's really solving the problem that your customer has. When it comes to selecting the right people, how do we make sure that we're choosing people who are in alignment with our purpose? Yeah. Well, I usually don't even 
choose people until I get through the process part. Mm -hmm. um, for me, processes, you need to align the process before you choose the people. Nice. Um, so, you know, uh, when, when we look at process, there are so many processes in your business. And I mean, you're hiring, you're firing, you're marketing, your sales, your operations, you know, if you have a store, your open and close procedures, if you're you know, run it, running a um, um, clinic, it's like, who's, who's the, at the front desk and what are their questions and who answers the phone? And all, I mean, there's just process after process after process. So all of those need to be, and one of my coaches, uh, his name's Ari Mizell, has this great um, framework and it's called the OAO. And you need to optimize, automate, and outsource those processes. So optimize them first. So in other words, make sure that they're down in a concise way that anyone can follow them, automate them if they can be automated, like using apps and AIs and all those kind of things. And if you can't, then you're outsourcing them. And whether you're outsourcing them externally or whether you're outsourcing them internally to somebody else on your team, it doesn't really matter, but that's that idea of assigning accountability. And, you know, so much uh, has to be done in so many businesses around process because of all the processes for your business are in your head, there's a big problem. Um, that renders a lot of things where you are the decision maker on everything. Everybody's going to come to you because they don't know the process of what needs to be done. So the sooner you can get them out of your head and into uh, a book, into a video, into an audio, into some sort of format that's actually going to be understood by somebody else so you can assign accountability, then that's when you move over to the people side of things. And it's like, okay, so who do I need to actually do this process, right? And so I break down people into three different categories for businesses. And one of them is your ideal client. Okay. Who is that ideal client? Second one is your ideal teammate. So who are that, although, like we just talked about, who are the ideal people that are going to take the accountabilities of this business? And the third is your ideal outsource um, supplier. So in my case with the shoe stores, my brands, like who are my ideal brands that I want to have within my store? Could be if I have a market, somebody who's doing marketing for me, that outsource person, or maybe my payroll person or bookkeeper person, those outsource, who of those are your ideal people, both from the customer, the uh, team and the extension of the team, which are your outsource partners and the people that are helping you deliver back your promise. Because if they aren't the right people to provide the promise for your ideal customer, then there's work to do, right? And there's process around that too. So when you think about your ideal, I mean, I'm sure many of your clients have thought about their ideal client and all that stuff, but have you thought about your ideal teammate? Have you thought about your ideal outsource partner? I mean, you can think of it right now. Who's the worst ever person on your business that you've had work for you? And if you haven't, if you're a solo entrepreneur, who's the worst ever teammate that you, if you're working for somebody else that you've ever had, right? So you know their name right now. I know you know their name. So think about it. Oh, that was Sharon Smith, right? And Sharon was this, 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 then this, and this. And then you think about the other person. Oh, that was Betty White. And so Betty was like this, boom, boom, boom. And she was so awesome. So you're listing these things, the good and the bad, so that you can actually capture 
all of the information that you need to write your next job description or your ad for a job or any of those postings, or to when you're looking at hiring an outsourced partner company, like I need them to communicate really well with me. Okay, that's a problem. I've had some communication issues in the past, or they need to, you know, provide things within a timeline or all of these different things. You're you're laying out the different areas so that you can align the people that you need in order to make your promise come true. And when you do that, things really start to happen. And when you don't do that, they don't. And that's the problem. So when you're clear, go back to clarity. Clarity creates confidence. When you're clear and confident about those people, now you're going to start building momentum around that so that you can actually go out there and do even more and break some of those glass ceilings and you know move to the next level of business so that you can enjoy more profit. So many service providers I know wait until they're desperate for help. Wait until that moment when they're like, I need to hire today Yeah. before they even think about setting up those processes. So I think that's a really nice kind of push or <laughs> a gentle nudge for everyone to, regardless of where you're at, like go back to process before you work with people. And I think Gosh. I love that. Yeah. Making sure that process is really honed down is so important because when you're asking somebody else to do it for you, if they don't have the clarity of what they need to do, you're going to get teed off at the fact that they're not doing it, but you actually haven't given them the clarity of what to do. Yeah. It's kind of so like true. backwards, isn't it? So after we've got your processes set up, we start to work with people. Yeah. Uh, what's the next step? The last P. The last P is profit. And I mean, that's where the freedom comes, right? So from, from that side of things, when every, those three middle P's are the operations of your business, right? So understanding the vision and the purpose and the promise, right? The promise at the beginning, when we're aligning those three things, your products, your process, and your people to that. If that's working in the right way, and when we think about people, just to kind of recap back into people a little bit, you're always trying to either attract or repel the right people. Both are good. We're, because of doing those lists where you're listing out all the good things about people and all the bad things, you're thinking about your communication around how you can communicate what I want, but you should also be communicating and marketing to what you don't want because the frustration around those kind of people, whether they're your teammates, whether they're your clients, whether they're your suppliers, are going to cause you an immense amount of worry and trouble and bother and you know all of that stuff. You don't want that. So you want to basically be putting it out there to the world that I'm not looking for these kind of people, but I am looking for these kind of people. And when you're aligning that, you have that and you have all those other things aligned, you enjoy this uh, profit because it starts to come. Things are on wheels. You know, things are on the rails. I uh, mentioned before we hopped on uh, that, uh, hopped on live here that I went away for the month of March and I still have two retail stores. I didn't close the doors. You know, they still ran without my involvement for the months that I was gone. And when you have businesses that are running on rails like that, it's because you have these things in alignment. And when that's happening, you're getting the right amount of profit that I could. And here's, here's the thing. This is when I look at freedom. Freedom then becomes choices for you. Could I have stayed and... Um, you know, worked in my stores and taken the salary of one of my managers, let's say, um, and earned more money that month? 
Yes, I could have. So I, I'm sacrificing some pro profit in order to get some of the freedoms that I want. Well, that's the choice that I make and the choice for you might be different and that's okay. But the fact of the matter is, is that until you get to the level that profit allows you to make some choice, you don't have a choice. And that's where I find a lot of startups are at where they're trying to get through that sort of area, which is, you know, I understand I've been there, done that many times in, in that sort of getting through that first one to three years, which is really just power down and, and get through that until you start building more money. And when you have more money, then you start making these choices about what you want to do so that you can go to the next level. And, you know, in my case, I don't run and manage my business, the Shootopia business, like I used to, but I pay somebody to do that. And I'm, I'm not using my time, I'm using their time to do that. And that's the idea of the time value of money, really, really, what's your time worth? And is it more valuable to you to go and do something else like coaching, for example, for in my case, coaching other entrepreneurs, I can um, do better um, working with other entrepreneurs than if I was actually on the sales floor, taking somebody who's making 20 bucks an hour for me on the sales floor, right. And so you start looking at these things and start looking at the freedoms. And I think understanding, you know, when I said earlier today, you own your business, it shouldn't own you. Understanding what you want out of your life so that you can actually build the business underneath you to support and give you that. So I wanted to take a month off. Well, my business gave me the month off. That was one of the freedoms that I wanted. And was there a cost to that? Yes, there is. And I know what the cost is and I'm okay with that. It's my choice as the entrepreneur, right? And so that's the freedom that I'm trying to work with, with all of the clients that I help is to give them their time back so that they can actually make these kind of choices for themselves. And that might be, I just want, I don't want to work Saturdays anymore. I, uh, you know, I want to be home for supper every night and be with my family. I don't want to work nights or I want to work four day week or whatever the case is. Like all of those things are uniquely yours. I want to spend more time with my wife or my husband or my kids or all of those different things. I've heard, I've heard a bunch of them, or it might be something like, I don't want to do bookkeeping anymore. Okay. Well, let's set that up so that I'm taking away those five hours a month that you're doing on your books and giving them to somebody else so that I can free you up to do what you want to do with those five hours. And that's the kind of stuff I just love digging into those kind of things with the various uh, entrepreneurs that I work with at Simplifying Entrepreneurship. And it's just, it's so much fun digging down in, finding out what the person wants for their freedoms and then, okay, now let's go to work and build the, the business underneath you to help deliver that. If you could give startup entrepreneurs, solo business owners who are service providers, who are grinding, who are doing those 60 hour yeah. work weeks, yeah, yeah. working in their business, one piece of advice, what would it be? A lot of it's about time. It really is. And I love one of my coaches, his name is Dean Jackson. And Dean Jackson has this great saying that I really like, there are only 24 hours in a day. You can't buy more and you can't use less. So there are only 24 hours in the day. You can't buy more and you can't use less. So think about the 24 hours that you have. Are you using them wisely? And, you know, so many entrepreneurs discount what their worth is, what their, what their worth is, what their hourly rate is. So even if you're a Cairo or a physio or something like this, and you're billing out at whatever your bill rate is an hour, you know, 50 bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, whatever it is. 
Um, and you know, if you're not thinking that your time all day long is worth that, as opposed to just your billable hours, then you have to look at things, structure them in a little bit different way so that you can actually bill more hours at that rate and, and actually employ somebody else to do some of the other things. I, I mentioned it myself. It's not worth it for me to spend a lot of time on the sales floor. I'm still on the sales floor occasionally. I, I have to have a certain amount of floor time and be in the know and all that kind of stuff. But for me to spend 40 hours on the sales floor selling shoes is not the best use of my time. So what is the best use of your time and start honing your business to make the maximum amount of profit with the right process, employ the other people that can do the other things around you so that you're delivering the right product and service and and aligning that back to the problems that your customers have from the very beginning that we talked about and taking them to a better space because that's the promise that you're making to them and when you do that sort of stuff business really starts to run on the rails that we were talking about and you had have a one-page planner that you mentioned i'd love for you to tell us a little bit about it yeah sure you know i um Many of us have probably used planners in the past, and this isn't anything that's sort of a rocket science, but you know, uh, I got sort of fed up with some of the other planners that were out there and developed my own a couple of years ago and called it the one page planner, but it's really a planner that's designed for entrepreneurs. And it starts with this idea of what do you want out of life? That's where it starts. And then we kind of, it's okay. So three years from now, one year from now, three months from now, one week from now, and down to the daily. And there it's, it's basically just PDF documents. You can download them. You can fill them in on your computer, or you can, I, I, just uh, put them on my iPad and I like to still handwrite stuff, but I handwrite it on my iPad. And from that perspective, the planner really allows you to understand what your, what I call prime priorities are for your life and your business and flow them through in a structured manner that's actually going to make you and help you accomplish them. And from that uh, side of things, I'm happy to share that with anybody. It's free. It's just a, it's just a download and you can, there's a little video there to kind of go through some of the suggestions that how I use it uh, so that you can actually um, take those, take those downloads and use them any way you want. Essentially you can print them off or use them digitally, but uh, essentially it's a, it's a great little way to keep on track of what you need to be doing with the whole idea that I want my business to support my life. So it starts with what you want out of the life and it goes down into sort of right down to the day. It's like, I'm working towards this so that I can enjoy a better life. And that's what every entrepreneur wants, right? It's just like the, the promise that we talked about for your client. When you got into business at the very beginning, you had this idea of a better life because you were going to be an entrepreneur. And a lot of entrepreneurs lose that when they get mired down in the frustrations and sort of those 50, 60, 70 hour work weeks, they lose the sight of that. So using a planner like this always brings it into the forefront and this idea that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing and this is what I need to do in order to make that happen. So happy to share that. You just go to uh, simplifyingentrepreneurship.com forward slash planner and uh, there's a download there for everybody. What I love most about that framework is I, I know I get lost in the to do's, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many yeah. things and so many easy wins I could I could prioritize yep. to just feel sure. good about myself. Um, but it really comes back to almost that Pareto principle where, you know, 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. So you need to prioritize yes. that 20%. And I think it's the same yes. with your purpose, right? You got to yes. prioritize living your purpose over just getting stuff done. 
Yeah. And we're, you know, that's the guiding principle for running our business. The guiding principle is remember when I started my business, what I thought I wanted? Well, it might have changed a little bit since you started, but the, the whole idea is what is it that you want and is your business delivering it? And if your business isn't delivering it, then what do we need to do to help you have that happen? Or maybe it's time to look at a different business that is going to deliver it because it's your life. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. You craft your own life, right? Nobody else is. You are. And whether you're running a single practice, uh, you know, a one, one man show, one woman show, whatever the case is, or whether you're running, uh, you know, a $20 million company or a $100 million company, the idea there is that as the leader of that business, you can craft that any way you want in order to deliver what you want because you own it. And that's the difference of owning something as opposed to working for someone else where you're within their parameters. And, you know, that that's even kind of going back to this whole franchise chat. Like if you feel as though you need to do your own thing, then franchising may not be the right thing for you. Like if you have this deep belief that you just need to do your own thing all the time, then franchising may not be the right. But if you're a super awesome manager and you want to own your business, but you don't, you're just happy working with systems and working through that stuff and you know how to run people and all that, all that, then franchising is for you. Right. So all, all these different great conversations and there's, you know, so many places we can take them, but entrepreneurship is a fun ride. And I know I certainly wouldn't change it for all of the years that I've been an entrepreneur. Each of us has our own very unique entrepreneurship journey. For sure. And motivation. That's the beauty. Yeah. Where can the audience find you online and, and get more information from you? Yeah. So simplifying entrepreneurship is my uh, business and my web and my podcast. So you can uh, go to my podcast to simplifying entrepreneurship too, and, and tips and tricks. And they're, they're short podcasts, usually about 15 minutes long. Um, LinkedIn and Instagram are where you find me most at Pete Moore, P-E-T-E-M-O-H-R. Uh, those are uh, the places socially that I hang out the most. Pete, thank you so much for coming today and sharing your wisdom and insight. I so appreciate it. Awesome. And I know the audience did too. So thank you. Thanks. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.